0: That's a groovy button.
1: What does it say? Good evening and welcome to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast. My name is Walter Concrete, and tonight, a very special political themed episode of the podcast.
0: That's right, fans. You heard him correctly. This is our special Monkeys and Politics Podcast. Now, hey, wait, wait. wait ho, ho, ho
1: wait. Hey, hold Come in. on back. It won't be bad. It'll be entertaining. Not, I promise. It's not orange themed. I promise you. Get them back in. All right. <laughs> take your seats. Lock the doors. Strap them in with the seatbelts.
0: Folks, you'll be glad to know we're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Monroe, North Carolina, also called Wesley Chapel in some parts. Tell them where, Monty.
1: Uh, we are located at the beautiful Trailhouse restaurant, which is technically an Indian Trail, North Carolina. Well, actually, technically Sun Valley there. Uh, Monty,
0: I stand corrected. My latest, uh, my latest uh, release here uh, does not indicate such uh, facts, but I will uh, defer to you.
1: Yep. We're actually broadcasting live just between you and me is because Al's wife is at home working today and he didn't we didn't want to disturb her because Monty I've just
0: been handed this this release uh we also can possibly be considered to be mineral springs in some parts of the county
1: well there's nothing like a good mineral springs every now and then but you have it's like that pellegrino you have to take it's like tastes like there's rocks in it you know so where are we broadcasting from Monty we are broadcasting from the wonderful back room of the Trailhouse restaurant in Indian Trail Sun Valley Mint Hill Monroe uh, Wesley Chapel Take your pick.
0: <laughs> and when he says the back room, I, I it, they got me washing dishes here.
1: That's right. <laughs> hey, by hey. the way, yes. do you know what episode number this is?
0: It's, let's see, it's ten plus ten more, right? Yeah.
1: Carry the seven. Carry the knot. Then
0: it's number 82, right?
1: You're close. You're in the ballpark. It's actually episode number 20. We've hit double, double digits.
0: My God. I remember when I hit double digits once. got <laughs> wow. to be 20 again.
1: Oh, <laughs> no, my God. There's no chance in hell I'd want to be 20 in this day and age. So, Welcome to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast, episode number 20, 20, 20. I am Al Pat Paulson-Williams.
0: <laughs> and this is Al LBJ, all the way with LBJ, big
1: but- Will you hunker down like a jackass in a hailstorm? Thanks
0: for the tremendous response to the last episode about our comic book connections to the monkeys. Um, we have a few more, sadly, we have a few more uh, comic book-related uh, deaths to mention.
1: Yes, unfortunately. Uh, we lost uh, the great uh, Maurice Severn, who is one of the original bullpen members. And if you've ever read the, if you've ever had a copy of the old book called Not Ran F
0: <laughs> which we referenced last time, Marvel Comics humor book that featured the monkeys several times.
1: That's right. Uh, Marie was the driving force behind the artwork for that.
0: And you know her brother's work if you ever read Cracked Magazine in the 70s, John, John Severin. Severin. Mm-hmm. You say Severin, I always said Severin. Severin come a <coughs> But it's probably Severin, yes. Yes. You know, Johnny Carson's a band leader. Yeah. Doc, Sev, Doc
1: Severin. Doc, Doc sen, sen, sen. I
0: love Doc Severin, that Hulk, the Hulk character, the guy with the green hair and the great. I loved.
1: Partner in mine, that's Doc Samson there. Uh.
0: But Marie goes back to the uh, '60s Marvel bullpen when it was a small group of people creating these great comics. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the '60s Marvel bullpen, we also lost fabulous Flo Steinberg,
1: who was the Jill of all trades at the original Marvel offices. She did everything: answered the phone, answered the mail. Uh, everything you could probably think of within reason, uh, she took care of in the office.
0: The last of the gal Fridays. In fact, let's take a little pause here to play an excerpt of her voice from the Voices of Marvel 1965 Flexi Disc that the bullpen made to give out to their Mary Marvel Marching Society fan club members.
1: Next time I'll draw a bald headed.
0: Boy, I'm glad we caught you when you were in a good mood.
2: Oh, Stan, do you have a few minutes?
0: For our fabulous gal Friday? Sure. Say hello to the fans, Flo Steinberg.
2: Hello, fans. It's very nice to meet you. As Marvel's corresponding secretary, I feel as though I know most of you from your letters. By the way, Saul Brodsky wants to say a few words.
3: Saul Brodsky? Who's he?
2: Stan, the fans know you have a bad memory. But wait, there's more!
0: (laughs) Sadly, there's more. I need to mention Gary Friedrich. That's right. Who wrote some of those not-brand-ec comedy stories from Marvel Comics that feature monkeys' mentions or monkeys' uh, references, sometimes drawn by Marie, who, mm -hmm. again, just passed away also.
1: And, if it wasn't for Gary Friedrich, Nicolas Cage would have one less movie role to worry about.
0: Because Groovy Gary created, in the 70s,
1: Ghost Rider on his bike.
0: Now, believe me, folks, the comic book back then was much better than the Nick Cage movie, but yes, he created Ghost Rider and was also one of the main writers of Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos starring Nick Fury. You
1: bums. And like that. By the way, didn't we meet him one time at Heroes Con? Yes. All right. Thank Very you, nice Shelton.
0: Meeting. Thank you, Shelton Drum, for bringing these comic book greats to our local stomping grounds. Well, it's time to announce the latest
1: contest winner. We're doing it up front. Mm-hmm. We are discussing this live and in public, if you will, as we record, so... We've always got Dandy David Levitz. I mean, David... Levin. Levin.
0: Levin? Levine. Levin. Levin. Levin.
1: Levin. Over. Never mind.
0: David, yeah. David, call us with the correct pronunciation of your, oh, your no, name. Oh, no,
1: no. Don't uh, let him <laughs> do that again, because the last time he vowed to send us a small... Thermonuclear device to, to as, a, as a thanks in
0: pronunciation, theory. he says. Right. Now look, Michelle Taylor has love for Ron Masak. One of our favorite episodes, number sixteen. Then why don't we beat her? Come in. Wait, sixteen was Bobby Hart. Thirteen, of course, unlucky thirteen was Ron Masak. Uh, 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 uh. Some guy named Al Bigley says he loved the Ron Masak episode. No, he's out. He can't win.
1: There's Jamie Telgren, but yeah, no. If we start, if we start giving her more stuff. She's liable to have the heart attack and die in the cornfield somewhere in Iowa.
0: That's true. Greg Setter. Oh, here we go again with last names. Sider. Isn't that a Jewish thing? Never mind, we're not going to get into that. That's a dreidel. Jody Ritson uh, was mentioned. Thank you. Thanks everyone for these comments. Dan Mm -hmm. and Angie.
1: Trevor Duncanson. A huge comic book and Monkeys fan, this has been my favorite episode yet.
0: Hey, I think I'm going to give him a, a point. In fact... I think I'm leaning toward Mr. Duncanson.
1: Well, since he got the whole references and everything, I'm like say, survey says...
0: Jim, Jim, Jim's the guy next to me washing dishes. What do you think? Is it Trevor Duncanson? Yeah? Just not. Yeah. Folks, official announcement. Mr. Trevor Duncanson has won the latest contest.
1: Boy, talk about swag.
0: Can you pass the uh, towel there? I got some glasses. Okay, yes, um... Trevor, congratulations! You will be receiving some fabulous monkeys' treasures. That's right. And folks, and keep some comment- fabulous
1: treasures. Monkeys. Something
0: like that. Wait a minute, where are my dentures? Um, keep commenting, folks. We appreciate it. It helps us be a better podcast.
1: Yeah, we got more stuff to give away. We do.
4: But wait, there's more. There's coming. always
0: stuff, including monkeys' action figures. Boy, I got action
1: figures. You want action figures, we got action figures. Never mind about that. I
4: all can't right.
0: say
1: that they actually look like the monkeys, but they're supposed to be the guys.
0: Well, they got red shirts, okay? Yeah, all right.
1: So, so do the monkeys' files, but they don't yeah. look anything like the guys either.
0: Well, John Wayne wore a lot of red shirts, too. And then you got Star Trek. We won't get into that.
1: My goodness. Yes.
0: Was that hand signal you just gave me? I'm number one?
1: Oh, smell, oh. smell strong and perspire, the dyslexic Vulcan.
0: I see. That's. Uh, I must have missed that one episode. Yes, you did. I was homesick that day. So, how have you been? Besides your allergies, this oh, time. All my
1: allergies. Uh, the allergies are beating me down. Like, uh, oh Lord, I just drew a blank. Like the guy that the guy with the super stomach that eats all the hot dogs on July Fourth at the Nathan's—they've been beating me down. Like Joy Chestnut eats hot dogs. I'm oh my God, you. man! Pop culture reference for you people there.
0: I haven't seen someone eat that many hot dogs since I dated the Adam sisters
1: <laughs> back in M- Morticia and. Uh, Mother and uh, Wednesday, then cousin Nick came into the room and forget about it. Uh, There was hair everywhere. Whole different thing. All right, so So, that's great. Yeah, it's (laughs) been. uh, Oh, you maybe completely forget, the bucket list road trip is done, folks. Here is
0: Mr. Alan Williams telling you how he came
1: nose to nose with With Nishwash.
0: that guy too, Papa
1: Nez. All right, so, you know, as as it went, the bucket list trip went like this. First of all, I really have to thank Tammy Muran and Jody for making this happen because Tammy was kind enough to provide me with tickets to the con plus some gift cards that made traveling a whole lot easier. So, as you guys know, I work five or six nights a week doing music bingo at various bars and everything around the area. If you call that work. That's right. Nice work. To get it. So... On, I had a Friday night gig that I could not get out of because it's my biggest one. So I left uh, a little suburb of Charlotte at 10.15 the evening, drove straight through to Monroeville, which is a Pittsburgh suburb, and got into the parking lot of the DoubleTree Tree Hilton at 5.45 in the morning. Stopped twice for gas and uh, was on total <laughs> total adrenaline. So... Um, as I got into the, you know, I, I got in, uh, first thing I did was I walked back into the area. Now, Motor City Con for, or Steel City Con for you guys have never been there, is more celebrity-oriented than your average comic convention. They didn't have a lot of comic dealers, but they are very big on celebrities, and you've seen the pictures. Uh, they had a Dukes of Hazard reunion. They were lousy with celebrities. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth, uh, Robert Wagner and Jill St. John, uh, Rob Van Dam, um, but uh Ron Perlman and John Cusack. But the first thing I walked straight in and as you walk through the big door, as you could see Nez's booth was right in the very corner there. And who do I see but our very own Jody Ritson? She's already getting set up. Did you yell, Hey Jody? I went, No, hey Jody,
0: nice lady
1: No, I didn't do that. And she walked but, away embarrassed. Yeah, she did. But you know, she saw and gave me a big hug. She's she's a beautiful hugger. Wasn't that a Beatles song, "Beautiful Hugger"? Beautiful, no, it's "Beautiful Boy." Oh, okay. Off of Mickey Dolan's "Put You to Sleep." Plug. Um, so once we got settled in, got everything all lined up, um, I paid for in, in, I paid for the video uh, clip of it rather than just getting an autograph because I've you know I've got the one autograph I need from the uh, the Pacific Arts DVD set, which is you uh, CD set that you can see which is up on our banner. Yep. So. Um, I tried very hard, and I succeeded in not hyperventilating and not fainting. And it was just surreal. Uh, I told him who I was, and he recognized the podcast name, I'm guessing. Y'all from that chicken prairie thing. Yes, right. So I gave him his T-shirt, and then I was telling him, um, as we talked about in the interview back in December, we talked about how him and Red used to infuse peanut butter with cannabis. So I jokingly told him, I said, you know, well, I was going to bring you a, a jar of Jif infused with parsley to remind you of that, but Jody said you're on a parsley-free diet, and he cracked him and says, well, there you go. But I'm not on a Jif-free diet. <clears throat> so after, you can see this
0: video on our Facebook page.
1: That's right. So later in the day, I went out, as he was on a break, I went out and uh, got a jar of Jif and a box of Ritz crackers, put it up on a dais when he got back. Ritz and crackers? Ritz and crackers, yes, yeah, right. Never mind. I'm not going down. I'm not going to repeat that slogan. Jody will slap me the next time she sees me. But uh, he saw it there. When he walked back in, sat down and, and cracked up. So when we get him back on the podcast, which we will in the near future, probably after the tour, uh, my first question is, so how much of the gift is left that I got you at Pittsburgh? But uh, it was a wonderful thing. Um, I also got to spend a couple of minutes interviewing Tim Matheson, Uh Eric Stratton from Animal House, a number of other great dramatic roles, but, of course, my hero being the voice of Johnny Quest. So I got a two-and-a-half-minute interview with him. I paid for it rather than that. And then I went back and got Al a really cool autographed Johnny Quest picture. And, uh... Did you explain the connection? Yes.
0: Oh, I was too busy eating my sandwich. I'm sorry. What do you
1: mean?
0: Tim <laughs> Matheson, Johnny Quest.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, Tim Matheson was the voice of Johnny Quest in the 60s. Right. So... The first thing I had, being an old radio guy, I asked him about some of the great voice artists that he worked with, including uh, Alan Reed, who played Fred Flintstone, who was later voiced by Henry Corden. Mr. Babbitt, you're in, Stu, get out! Out you go! So I said out! Okay. If you promise not to break anything here at the Henry Cabot Lodge, you can stay. But uh, it's always six degrees of separation of the monkeys. You know how that goes. But um, he was a monkeys fan, but surprisingly not for the music. He liked the TV show because of the innovation and because of it being you know, based on a hard day's night. So, I just a cool, were, nice guy.
0: I thought you were going to say he found Davey Dreamy.
1: <laughs> no. No. Nope. That was Butch.
0: Not, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, and all the Davey files are getting, you know. Put down your torches. That's right. So, but then I left s- Sunday afternoon about 11.45 bidding goodbye to Jody and saying hi to, you know, shaking Inez's hand again. And then drove back home, took my time this time, so it was a wonderful evening. Now, the funny story is, I was going on about 36 hours of sleep without sleep when I checked into the hotel. So there were some nice restaurants around, you know, a mall right next door to the hotel, and I was going to go out a little bit later and check. You know. So I took, got in the sh- uh, hotel about 3:30, took a shower, stretched out on the bed just to relax for a little bit, and then you know go out and look. Next thing I realized, it's 10:15 at night. Everything's closed and I'm stuck with Taco Bell.
0: Taco Hell, as we call it around yeah, here. Well, you
1: know. Who is this with Taco Bell? Who is this with this Taco Bell? It's is, is describable torture. So. And McDonald's? That, what is McDonald's? Indescribable torture that carries on for days and days and days like luggage. So. <laughs> and that was the road trip, man. It was Jody, Tammy, I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so very much. I I love you both for that.
0: So, that means that you have met all four Monkeys. My Monkeys
1: Grand Slam in person is finished. yes. Mm -hmm. Mine too. And uh,
0: I have to thank Jody also because she made the 2014 convention possible. Yep. Where I got to meet all three. Of course, I've met Davey in the past.
1: Well, you remember what she said last time. Yes.
0: Never count your chickens before they're hatched.
1: Our chickens is up five, eggs is down three, and cows is holding steady at seven. As fine as they is. That's right. No, um, Nizwash himself wants a 2019 convention. Run that by me again, Kimasabi? Nizwash wants a 2019 convention. Are we allowed to reveal that? She did last time. That's right. That's right. See, that's what I get for leaving the room. That's right. Do you mind leaving the room? But
0: I'd had Taco Bell for lunch. Say right. no more. All
1: right. Nope. Yep. No. Smell no more, please. <laughs> so, but uh, once once the tour gets over, Nez doesn't have anything going right now until March, when they go back on the road for those four. Neither dates. do that, I. The when they go back on the road for those four dates that they they missed. So, our goal, my goal, is to have it here in Charlotte. I have the perfect venue location for it. So I've just got to do due diligence and see what we can do. But, you know, if I have my way, y'all be coming to Charlotte next year.
0: Y'all sit around and spell here.
1: Y'all act like you got some sense out there. Oh wait a minute, that's directed at what? Never mind bad Alan. No Washington references. Right. (laughs) Which brings, speaking of Washington. Yes. That brings us to our topic of the day. Yes, it does.
0: You know, a lot of folks have always seen The Monkees as both a group and a TV show, as a very lightweight, kind of trifling, 60s confection. But, of course, in their music, they got very political and very uh, deep sometimes, because that was the the times, too, when a group did that. But also...
1: And you also have to remember that Nez recorded the new recruit, What Seems to Be the Trouble Officer. And
3: those
0: were very anti-authority songs. What, 1965?
1: Yep. And... You know, that makes me glad I got the Infinite Tuesday CD because of the fact that, you know, that's the first time I ever heard a New recruit. It's good stuff. Because I haven't killed before.
0: Now, those come from the days of Dylan and the protest songs, and we're segueing into the, mm-hmm. the heavier stuff. Yep. But let's talk about some ways that the guys got political. One of the ways that uh, surprises a lot of people is things like, for example, there's a famous episode that begins with the guys playing dominoes and they're stacking them up. Someone topples them and they all fall down. And somebody says, look, it's the fall of Southeast Asia. And then before you can even think about it, something else happens and we're distracted. And what that refers to is the domino theory, which was a Cold War policy that suggested a communist government in one nation would quickly lead to communist takeovers in neighboring states, which is why we had to be in Vietnam to stop that spread.
1: Got to put, a, gotta put a, a nail in the coffin, a big red. Right. Hey, LBJ, how'd that work out for you?
0: LBJ, how many kids did you kill today? Okay, if anyone's still with us, that was actually quite daring. This is a prime time, and keep in mind, the monkeys was on at 7.30, which was prime time back then.
1: 6.30 Central Time.
0: Thank you. And that was a pretty uh, direct poke at such a thing. It's like Peter's famous uh, line from the Captain Crocodile episode. Doesn't look like such a vast wasteland to me. Yep,
5: it's
0: true. So there's one way the guys got to poke fun at Vietnam and the current political political atmosphere. Of course, we all are familiar with "monkeys watch their feet," mm-hmm. which was handed over to the great deadpan comedian Pat Paulson. Now, how does it, now how is that political? Now, some of Pat Paulson's speech was very was meant to send up the very staunch kind of Republican.
1: A rigid Nick, back, Nixon, kind of Nixon, who looked like he had no Nixon, who looked like he hadn't taken a <laughs> six years, but that kind of you know rigid posturing. Um, now, for those who don't know,
0: yes, Pat Paulson was a famous American comedian. He came to fame on the Smothers Brothers Show, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was the kind of thing you see in Monkeys Watch Their Feet—very straight-faced kind of... Uh, but
1: comedic. Deadpan comedic. Right. Deadpan comedic.
0: And the malaprops and the missteps and the mis- miscues and, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. as he tries to be forceful and tries to be authoritative. What I find so great about him, he really ran for president. He threw his hat in the ring several times. Not just 1968, but 1972, 1980, 1988, 1992, and 1996, which had primarily... Most of these are primarily comedic. Of It's like, you know, when you say yeah, Alfred E. Newman's on the ballot or Mickey Mouse. But
1: I love the fact that he ran. Um, well, it's funny. He, the first four years, the first four times he ran, you know, he skipped Carter. But, you know, you've got Nixon, Nixon, Reagan, Reagan, and Bush. Right. Or Reagan and Bush.
0: And, of course, Paulson passed away in 97. Now, he had his own show briefly in 1970... Pat Paulson's Half a Comedy Hour.
1: And it got generated half a ratings point <laughs> and half a laugh.
0: <laughs> it ran 13 weeks on ABC. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Paulson was approached by the Smothers Brothers with the idea of running for president in 1968, like we mentioned. His reply was, why not? I can't dance. Besides, the job has a good pension plan, and I'll make a lot of money when I retire. The dance crack was a reference to actor-dancer George Murphy, the new U.S. senator representing California.
1: Will. There you go again.
0: It oh, makes me think of other uh, California representatives of the time that, that did okay.
1: Well, of course
0: you're amused. Can you pass those jelly beans while you're out?
5: Mummy, mummy.
1: And now we've lost anyone under, what, 30? Well, it's funny. When you, well, well, when you bring up Reagan, Mickey did that, um, to go totally off topic, you remember the. Uh, um, Mickey did work with the puppets in. Uh, oh, yes. Bread, Bread. Uh, splitting image? Spitting image. Wasn't called splitting to make the joke? Something, something like yeah, that. Something. Yeah, something. Based on splitting and image, then, the term. And uh, he did some work with that, but Genesis also used some of the splitting image puppets. He's, well, yep. bedtime, bitty bye for boys, baby. Yes. Yeah, and in their uh, land of confusion. Right. And Mickey
0: also is one of the participants in the early 90s. There was a parade welcoming back the hmm. Gulf War yep. troops. Hmm. Um, and there you go. But I digress. Yes. So I love this guy I love Paulson's deadpan delivery uh, very political figure very hapless could we call him a political figure I mean he wasn't serious but uh, well, you know
1: just so long there I'll throw a name out there that people that are our age or my age might know is Harold Stassen Harold Stassen ran for president every year from 48 till 48 till he died yeah because I met him at when I was in college in 78 or 70 uh, 78 or 79, I met him. They brought One of the frats brought him in for a political or for an appearance. had no idea who the hell he was, but, you know.
0: One of Paulson's famous, I love this, one of his most famous campaign slogans was, I'm just a common, ordinary, simple savior of American destiny.
1: But you gotta say, I'm just a common, ordinary, simple savior of Americans' destiny. <laughs> there you go. Picky, now, picky,
0: picky, That's here, too. Now, to wrap this up um, about Paulson, he also later had a very well-received Vineyard. He was a wine maker and packager.
1: So that's where Foster Brooks spent most of his never mind. I'm getting I'm getting way old pop references. Now I
0: know. Now here's something very obvious. We're all familiar with the monkeys end of episode, one minute short segments. There's one where they famously talk about the Sunset Strip riots. Now, apparently we all know that this was about various bars and clubs along the Sunset Strip trying to enforce curfews because they didn't want young people in other words, non paying customers loitering around. And a lot of folks said there was never a riot. There were some protests. Yeah. But that's what that was in the late
1: 60s there. Well, you know, you got to remember at that time, not only were you dealing with that, you were dealing with Watts, you were dealing with the riots in Detroit. Uh, you and know, the word riot in,
0: made good news, yeah, like yeah, Mickey it, said. It, it,
1: was, it was, yeah, it was um, good copy.
0: Mickey once, uh, I think, in that very same one-minute short segment, riot's easier to spell than demonstration. True. Um, True. The city's administration implemented a handful of measures to curtail the growing nuisance there. They targeted the strip's most prominent rock club, the whiskey a If I have to tell you that monkey's connection, then turn in your official Texas Prairie Chicken membership card. Yep. They forced the managers to try to change the name to The Whisk, believe it or not. Can't mention whiskey, folks. Furthermore, annoyed residents and business owners in the district had encouraged the passage of a strict 10 p.m. curfew and loitering laws to reduce the traffic congestion, resulting from crowds of young club patrons again. Young people not spending money.
1: That's right. uh, But there, I'm sure, and for Jamie, this is for you, I'm sure there was a big Frodo's room there somewhere. Frodo's
0: room, baby, yeah! Oh, dude, the colors. Now, the young people perceive this, of course, as an infringement on their civil rights. And for weeks, tensions and protests swelled.
1: Well, it's just the old, the old guard, the establishment sh- stuff, shirts, trying, right. to, trying to quell what ended up being the counterculture.
0: On Saturday, November 12, 1966, flyers were distributed along the strip, inviting people to demonstrate later that day. Hours before the protest, one of L.A.'s rock and roll stations announced there would be a rally at Pandora's Box, a club facing forced closure... And Demolition. They caution people to tread carefully. That evening, as many as a thousand youthful demonstrators, including such celebrities as Jack Nicholson and Peter Fonda. Do
1: I have to uh, make the connections? Yeah, of, course of course not, man. You're talking about head and... Uh, Basically that? head. What was the name of that other... Uh, I forget what the name of that movie is, Born to be Wild, the one that Rapleson did.
0: Something like Easy, Ride Easy something? Rider. Easy Rider. there you yeah.
1: go. You can't
0: handle Easy Rider. They were involved. The unrest continued the next night and on and off through November and December. Meanwhile, the local administration had decided to get tough and rescinded the youth permits of 12 of the strip's clubs, thereby making them off-limits to anyone under 21. As you can imagine, that didn't go over well. In November of 66, the Los Angeles City Council voted to acquire and demolish Pandora's Box. The club was eventually demolished in early 1967.
1: Uh, See, so that's what you get when you try to open Pandora's box. Or, in this case, to to demolish Pandora's box.
0: Now, you may be asking yourself, gee, are there any other monkeys' references to this particular historic incident besides the guys talking about it in the one-minute short segment? Well, there's a certain song that Mike wrote about these demonstrations called Daily Nightly. Right. And you're thinking, well... That's certainly the only song written about these protests. A contraire, mon frere. I thought you were going to do your Ed McMahon. Or, or your, your, you your, are your... not correct, sir. You are incorrect, Cold Gems Breath. <laughs> for what it's worth, written by Stephen Stills and Buffalo Springfield. Do I have to make them more connections
1: there? There's something happening here, what Stephen it is, Stills. and exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I gotta beware.
0: Riot on Sunset Strip, performed by the Standells. Safe in My Garden by the Mamas and the Papas. Open Up the Box Pandora, performed by the Jigsaw Scene, S.O.S., by Terry Randall. Scene of the Crime by Sounds Unreal, many songs. And
1: you missed the the one on the last page. Oh, yeah? Our Hero, Sir Francis of Zappa. Mm. Plastic People by the Mothers of Invention.
0: And we mentioned Frank Zappa, yet another
1: connection. Yep. So there you go. I still wonder to this day how Nez managed to keep that plastic nose up.
0: <laughs> well, he didn't. It fell many times. Um, so there you go. That You may have wondered what that was all about, that, that great uh, one-minute short discussion. That's what it was about. Now, there were some slaps at our current president of the time, Mr. Lyndon Baines Johnson.
1: <laughs> Gee, what, I wonder what line it might be talking wait, about.
0: Now, now, Peter, at one point, when he says, or take responsibility for destroying the free world, is greeted with, Gee, with a little more ego, he could be president. I think that's in card-carrying red shoes. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. But also, there's a certain... I don't know, I can't think of the line. Maybe Alan can conjure it
1: up. You mean that there for Monkey Mayor? So I will hunker down like a jackass in a hailstorm.
0: Lyndon Johnson took that expression from his Texan upbringing and introduced it into American political discourse. You mean kind of like Biggie? I asked <laughs> you never to mention that. I am the best, I will succeed bigly. When facing adversary during his presidency, Johnson said he would sometimes, quote, hunker down like a jackass in a hailstorm and take it. Later he changed that to a jackrabbit, not a jackass.
1: Well, he was talking about Nixon, but, you know. that's,
0: well, <laughs> well. But that's where that comes from. Famous LBJ saying, now, let's turn to the guys themselves. We have our own Mickey Dolenz, who was seen at the Monterey Pop Festival in full Native American garb.
1: Yep. Now, I knew he was Indian, but I did not know what, what tribe. Mickey himself said, quote, you know, I'm
0: part Chickasaw. There were a bunch of Indians, I think it might have been, in Oregon or Washington State. They'd all been arrested for protesting fishing rights. It was something between them and the government about their rights to fish their tribal lands somebody came to me in Los Angeles and said they need some money to be bailed out I guess they knew I was part Indian there was a lot of money at the time like $15,000 or something but I put up the money and they were very grateful they sent me some very beautiful Indian artwork now of course that, that was Mickey's quote and it's of the 60s so he's using the word Indian so let's yep. remember that
1: oh, um, and then that pops up that automatically steers you to um, the original and the reworked version of Mommy and Daddy right
0: which mentions, Ask your mommy
1: and daddy what happened to the Indians.
0: Right. And, uh, and of course, Mickey wore a lot of Indian-inspired clothing, and so did Coco.
4: Sleep and down.
0: Speaking of anti-Vietnam sentiment of the day, of course, we've heard last train to Clarksville mm-hmm. was a Vietnam Project. protest. It was. Somebody is leaving, and I don't know if I'm ever coming home. Mm-hmm. A way of saying I don't know if I'll ever see you again. Um... It's been said that it's about an army base near Clarksville. My dad used to live near Clarksville, and they do have an army base right out there At Fort Campbell. Very close. So who knows? Maybe it really is. Oh yeah, a veiled Vietnam it, 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 reference. It, it, yeah, definitely. You know,
1: it's mm-hmm. most certainly very good. Um,
0: jumping forward to the eighties, Peter. It may have been the Peter Torque project, or Peter Torque and the New Monks had an anti. American uh, uh, policy song They had the lyric uh, No guns, no war U.S. out of El Salvador Interesting And I used to have that on tape mm-hmm. I can't locate it Take my word for it, guys Take my word, please Do I need to even explain Zor and Zam Based on a popular poster of the day What if they gave a war And nobody came? came That's very clear mm-hmm. That sentiment Mommy and daddy Not just Native American rights But of course The original mentions The Kennedy assassination
1: Yep whether the bullet went through my head or, you know, it's like, you know, why stuff. everybody gets off on all those little pills. I'm talking about drug. You know, drug I addiction. think
0: of now where prescription medicine abuse is oh, so yes, yeah.
1: out of control. Though. But it's amazing how, and we've talked about this before, it's amazing how most of his songs during that time, um, Randy Skousk "Get Mommy and Daddy, Bye Bye Baby Goodbye, they're all stream of consciousness songs and I think that also contributes to the fact that the same thing is going down. Going down to stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Time, that
0: Very good stuff. Like Peter, I wish Mickey had written so much more. <laughs> Let's talk about the Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Co-starring Butch Patrick. You can hear him in previous episodes. Yep. There's a great romp scene where they're in a toy store and, you know, is playing with this. Somebody's on a bike with young Butch. Mm-hmm. And who is Butch playing?
1: Melvin Vandersnoot.
0: Easy for you to say. And they come upon, Peter and Butch come upon a selection of toy rifles and guns. Peter quickly puts them back, flashes the peace sign, and mm-hmm. says, no, no, to such right. armament. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, and, and then that carries over to the um, to the scene in the diner in Head. Mm-hmm. But Bob, the kids won't dig it. You especially, you know how I feel about violence. Oh, right. this, is, oh this is for your daughter's shirt sure. mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So... Peter's always been very pacifist. Well,
0: let's talk about head. Head is chock-a-block full of anti-chock-a-block. Is anti- chun- Chock-a-block. We're we, we
1: talking chunky again here. Wait a minute. Of just tons of, uh,
0: you know, anti. Well, of uh,
1: course, but you know the the Coca-Cola blowing up, man. The the scene in the desert with the tank. And yes. Oh, the, yes. Worst, the worst. The war scene with Ray Nitschke. Yeah. Yeah. Intense bombardment. He'll never make it.
0: Nobody could.
1: But. Of course, you know, with all that, the one that will always stick out is at the end of the Diddy Diego Wartian, mm-hmm. because that is one of the most, there are two well, two known, most notable photographs from the Vietnam War. Uh, the one of the 12-year-old little girl whose clothes have been burned off by Agent Orange. Napalm, yeah. Napalm, running down the street, crying, and then this one.
0: And what am I referring to? Of course, I'm referring to the execution. He was summarily executed. He said, "Of a man named Bay Lop. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Bye, Lop. Thank you. I had that for dinner the other day. It was great. A little bit of beans on the side, some garnishes. No, seriously. Let's get serious. Um, he was a Viet Cong commander captured during the early part of the Tet Offensive, mm-hmm. which itself is very controversial. Yep. And uh, he was brought to Brigadier General.
1: Winyat Long.
0: Thank you. Who then executed him. The event was witnessed and recorded by... Su. I had that the other day. No, I can't, that was a cameraman for NBC and Eddie Adams, an associate press photographer. The photo and film became two famous images of contemporary American journalism.
1: And that was just the way it did. I mean, there was no due process. There was no... no nope. n- No rights as we would know them today. There was just a situation because of the conflict... If they found a Viet Cong spy, it was, that was that was it. I mean, yep. you know, they, it was either that or you know, keep them as a POW. And I don't know how many, they didn't really keep their own people as POWs. They executed the Viet Congs just like that.
0: And having to travel with them and yep. take care of their, their welfare, such as it was. Now, the photograph <laughs> and that footage were broadcast worldwide, of course, yep. galvanizing and pushing forward the anti-war movement. The photo of the event won Adams the 1969 Pulitzer Prize mm-hmm. for spot news photography.
1: Um, and if, know, that, if that image mm-hmm. doesn't, if that image doesn't make you look at it and think, oh yes, what, what you know, were we wrong? You know, then I can't help it. In
0: 1978, the INS contended that Loan had, had committed a war crime. Say his name. Loan. Loan had committed a war crime following a report by the Library of Congress, which concluded that the summary execution of...
1: Nguyen Van Lem
0: ...had been illegal under Vietnamese law. And uh, this would have resulted in the permanent resident status being revoked of the man and preventing him from becoming a United States citizen. Mm -hmm. But Jimmy Carter personally intervened, halted the process. Um, He finally died. Mm -hmm. Luan died in July 14, 1998, in Virginia at age 67. Now, again, the main reason for them even running that in the monkeys movie, what were the two reasons? One was to show the unvarnished brutality of war. And yeah,
1: its shock value.
0: And the shock value of, hey, this is not a kitty movie. This
1: is, yeah. you, know, you know, we're you know, serious the folks. The money's in, we're made a team. we're here to give you more.
0: And, of course, Head itself led to the new Hollywood of the 70s because its own producers went on to use monkeys money to make Easy Rider. Yep. Which led to... Pieces. What they call the new Hollywood yep. the movies of a little more depth, movies exploring characters. Five Easy Pieces, uh, Bob, Ted, Carol, and Alice. We can name them forever. Yeah. And then a little movie, not Star Wars, but Jaws comes along. Yep. In summer of '75, and then a few years later, Star Wars, and we suddenly get the event movie, mm-hmm. which is about feeling good and having a good time and eating oh, yeah. popcorn, which is okay. There's but nothing this was a that. much
1: grit because of the time. There was so much unrest true. in the country. True. And then you're going into the you're going into the war protest, the draft card burning, the Very true. Uh, the killing of the students in uh, at Kent State. You know, the 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 issues at the it. 68 Chicago the 68 Democratic Convention in Chicago. Mm-hmm. This is all well documented history. All during that time such such deep unrest in this country because of the Vietnam War.
0: Right? We all were looking inward. Yeah. People wanted to look inward. Well, let's move up to more recent events. This may not be so political, but it's societal. True. Mike's mother, Bet Betty or Betty? Betty. It's Betty. spelled like Bet, but it's ben. Betty. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where am I, where's my denture cream? Betty Nesmith, for the longest time, has founded and been a Funded. part of mm-hmm. the...
1: Gihon Foundation.
0: Wasn't that a Godzilla monster? That's no, a Oh, okay. And this foundation has, has... Basically, it's like a think tank that tries to sponsor worthy ideas and inventions yep. and things that are worthwhile to society. Yep. And that's a very wonderful thing. It's well, kind I mean, of a mysterious...
1: Yeah, because nobody knows what they... Do. I mean, right. their record... Because they're not a public, publicly traded company, their records are private.
0: They do have a website that's still... Even their about page is not very direct. Clear. No. We think that's because they don't want every crackpot... Who's invented the next condiment to come to them saying,
1: "Hey, I got liquid paper 2.0. Give me money." That's right.
0: The foundation was started by Betty Nesmith Graham in Texas in '77. She named Mike um, one of the trustees, and they remain as trustees as of 2010. And it's a private nonprofit philanthropic organization. Philanthropic, he said.
1: Philanthropic.
0: Philanthropic organization. Established in seventy-eight, we said that. And again, the, implement, the implementation of inspired, productive ideas has been the purpose of the Gihan Foundation since its inception. Did I say yep. it right?
1: Gihan, yes. Gihan,
0: Gihan, Gihan.
1: It's named after the Gihan River and mentioned in the Old Testament. That's right. The and, council I, I, and I thought that was kind of unusual, seeing as how Betty Nesmith was such a devout Christian Scientist.
0: Mm-hmm. And the count, hey, a good name's a good name. That's right. The council consists of between three and five distinguished persons who serve for one year. They meet for the purpose of considering and recommending action on what they judge to be the most important issues of our time.
1: So, hey, you know, it's it's all about giving back. She was a very, it, except with dealing at certain points as Nez goes over to the Tuesday, you know, she was a very complex woman. She was a very great woman, but she's a very complex woman right. because of her, her beliefs and everything. But there's no denying that she was very philanthropic when it came to you know, the just the, the working making sure that people continue to come up people that come up with good ideas you know, if they're good if they really are good then they get the proper funding to move forward
0: right instead of just saying I'm going to sit on my money and live in the south of France for the rest of my life I'm going
1: to live bigly for the rest of my life
0: I am the best and I use the best words like bigly. philanthropic that's like right cafevi right <laughs> um Look, we or, about or
1: if your Vice President Pence writing an op-ed is Lodestar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not going there.
0: Didn't they used to make instrumental uh, LPs back in the day?
1: No, there's actually a Lone Star, which oh. is a country and western group.
0: Let's talk more about the Monkees music. We know, yes. okay, okay Zor and Zam, obviously mm-hmm. political. Mommy and Daddy, last mm-hmm. turn to Clarksville. Can you think of any others? Some people say Anti Griselda because it's against kind of a snobbish yuppie-fied person is a, is a protest song.
1: Could be. Um, Admiral Mike, we know. A- Admiral Mike is a protest oh, yes. against...
0: Of course, Pleasant Valley Sunday, which yeah. as a kid I didn't understand. Like yeah. Other groups were singing about pollution and war, and we're supposed to be upset because people mow their grass too much. Now I grew up and became a homeowner. Preacher comfortable. Pleasant Valley Sunday is such a protest song. Believe me, I'm with those guys. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, not anything pops into my head right now. P.O. Night 9847 is not really a protest song. It's just somebody...
0: Else. What about Salesman? I don't ah. think we've covered that song enough. It's just about those people that knock on your door, <laughs> right? With all oh, that yeah. tin to sell. The,
1: uh, the you secret, secret it's we, goods that you push while you talk.
0: It's so funny we mentioned that because you know what? Since last episode, it wasn't enough that we played seven or eight different versions of Salesman. i found more.
1: So you say you found extra salesmen. Well, what have you found?
0: There's never enough Salesman in this world. There's never enough versions of this song in the world. This is a 60s cover by a group called The Tropics.
1: This is Walter Cron Creek will return to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion after this brief musical interlude. Uh, sir, you see that button over there in the upper left hand corner? This one? That one, just mash that.
0: Well, hope you enjoyed that—a very unusual uh, cover of that song. Well,
1: I mean, it it pays homage a lot to Nez's arrangement. But, very you know, straightforward. It's very straightforward, but you know, Which is kind of interesting because we know what kind of person Craig Smith was at that time.
0: Yes. Other political monkey songs, of course. There's uh, when love comes knocking at your door. I'm kidding, kidding.
1: She's moving in with Rico? No. Yeah, just, necessary. just no. Just no. I
0: thought we had an agreement. <laughs> we
1: had an agreement. You would not mention that in my presence. <laughs> You know, but I mean, but even in the 90s, you know, they yeah. were doing political stuff with yeah. Admiral Mike. Yeah. Very good, very so. good. Um, with, and,
0: well, with Mike's song, it's always hard to tell with Mike's songs because uh, Tapioca Tundra, what's that even about?
1: Well, you must have been having some tapioca in the hotel room in Hawaii when he sat down and wrote that, you know.
0: I mean, Anti's Municipal Court, you think they're very deep and political, and you look at the lyrics, you're like, what the hell has he even taken up the gif again?
4: That's
0: right. So, anyway here's something i used to read about in books or, or articles that wanted to make the monkeys quote hit by association people would always mention jack nicholson and hendrix but the famous 60s guru timothy leary mm-hmm. wrote about them favorably in a book called the politics of ecstasy and i remember reading about this in many uh, liner notes and things back in the day and what he said was again he was a big fan of the show because he knew it was putting on the establishment and everything was about going against the man and the establishment back then yep. um, and he said in this book this 1968 book "quote, the monkeys used the new energies to sing the new songs and pass on the new message the monkeys television show for example oh you thought that was silly teenage entertainment don't be fooled while it lasted it was a classic put on an early Christian electronic satire a jolly Buddha laugh of hypocrisy at early evening kitty time on Monday, the monkeys would rush through a parody drama, burlesquing the very shows that would glue mommy and daddy to the set the next hour, smoothing the movies and violence and the down-heavy conflict and emotional themes that fascinate middle-aged people. It was all woven it was all woven into the fast-moving, psychedelic stream of action with challenging words. For example, Mickey rapping quickly. Dropping literary names, making scholarly scholar, scholarly ma- making scholarly references. Then suddenly, he'd look into the camera and say, "Pretty good for a long-haired weirdo, right, folks?" Mm-hmm. Unquote. So he would say things like that. He saw even then mm-hmm. what a lot of people would take another decade or so to
1: realize. And even when you go back to you know, the first season episode, "Spy" that came in from the cool, and then "Card-Carrying Red Shoes." Those have political overtones. Even the Royal Flush has political right. overtones. You know. Um, Prince and the Pauper, um, and so much of that is making
0: fun of the Cold War tensions is, yeah. but, between us and Russia. Yeah. I had nothing to do with Russia. Fake news. There's no collusion. No collusion. Fake news. I know no one named Honey in the Bear. <laughs> You're very right. Here's another great little quote from Timothy Leary's book, where he talks about that same scene we referenced, where Mickey warns Peter, "This involves responsibility for blowing up the entire world." Where Peter retorts with, "Peter retorts with." I'll take that responsibility. And Mickey looks at the camera and says, Hey, wow, with a little more ego, he could be president. Mm -hmm. And Timothy Leary says, It all happened so fast, LBJ. You never saw it. Nope. Unquote.
1: And, okay. So, to deviate from a little bit, since we always talk about the six degrees of separation of the monkeys, Marty Ross, who is one of our members, and of course... Used to
0: be in some group.
1: Yep. Um... There is a picture that Marty posted on his his Facebook page recently.
5: Hmm.
1: Not only that had that that had Timothy Leary, was he was sitting right beside Timothy Leary. Oh yeah, 1996, and I went it's Timothy Leary. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, I didn't recognize him. And what bit.
0: was Timothy's favorite, uh, most quoted phrase? Tune in,
1: turn on, and drop out. Right. Or as we like to say, like tune in, turn on, and Dude. and uh, like. uh, burn another one. <laughs> Do the colors, man. <laughs> I need more Frodos, baby. Ja- <laughs> ja- Frotus. Jamie, I need more Frodos, room, man. Can you can you get send me some corn silks from Iowa, there, <laughs> Wizard Glick? <laughs> Take that, Wizard Glick. Man, I'm not Wizard Glick. Oh,
0: Frodos, baby, yeah. Okay, Frotus yeah I go ahead. I I got you way off the track. All
1: right, but yeah, but yeah, it was. It, I mean, the fact that you know you've got six degrees to Timothy Leary, not on, but through the new monkeys as well. So yes, That's pretty cool. There you go. See how it all ties in. Which believe, but which believe it or not, Marty Dino, get ready because you guys are coming up in uh, probably the next episode or two. So,
0: so says you. <clears throat> I'm kidding.
1: I'm yeah. kidding. I kid because I care. Hmm. But we're all about brings, love
0: here. We're all about love.
1: And that brings us to yes, the final and most personal aspect of the political atmosphere. Where uh, the, that's a groovy button. What does it say? That's it creepy. says, it say? love is, no, it says, save the
0: Texas prairie chicken. Wait, Sorry. we're not done. That wasn't our end uh, no, of we're not, we're of not signing off yet. We're not signing off yet. Oh, you wish. But, yes, this was a real thing. In 1967, it came to light that there was a certain bird called the Atwater prairie chicken. Mm-hmm. In 1937, a study recorded that only about 8,700 of these birds remained in four Texas counties. Uh, Put on the endangered species list in 67. And that was a time when maybe they estimated just almost 2,000 birds, or not even that, 1,070 birds were left in the wild. Mm -hmm. By 2003, get this, fewer than 50 of these birds left in the wild. So I guess the campaign has not really been that successful.
1: Well, if you look at it, I mean, it's just all because their habitat's been plowed under
0: Right. In fact, I'm glad you mentioned that's what's going on. Um, Heavy grazing by cattle. Uh, ranchers, expansion, it's, it's, it's development. Jerry
1: Jones. I mean, you know, they got to find a place to put Jerry World, you know, all the, all that mm-hmm. all that, that there Dallas Cowboy type stuff.
0: So this was a real thing. Apparently it was in the atmosphere in 67. Mike picked it up. Of course, the idea is other people are wearing very heavy political buttons, and his says, yes. save the, the, the chicken. And it sounds funny. But this is a serious subject. We need to save these birds or... <laughs> Very few left.
1: Yeah, it's on the verge of extinction. So it's like you know, mm-hmm. what can I don't know if there's anything that can be done if they can be heard. Right, it's too bad they're not like prey dogs. Prey dogs are everywhere. Oh boy,
0: aren't they? Did you see my backyard.
4: Yeah.
0: And since we've been talking about the famous song "Daily Nightly" and its political overtones, here's something a little different that I've uncovered. And now here's a. Favorite familiar announcer to tell you what this will be.
1: Three twenty-one cage. JJ. Ten time. With real Don. Steel time for something completely different on the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. Here is the daily nightly version by the group called Monk Graph. Monkeys. 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 Monkeys.
0: Giving our contest a little rest due to uh, the prize contest closet being fumigated and expanded. Some construction's going on.
1: Sprayed for fleas.
0: That too. <laughs> it's
1: all Jamie's fault. She gave. She sent us fleas from Iowa. I think so. so.
0: But it will return. More goodies. More rare
1: stuff. That's right. So, speaking of rare stuff, mm-hmm. it's time once again for that phone call from the south side of Philly... Our favorite person in the entire world, outside of, uh, as uh, uh, outside of uh, Bingo Bango Bongo and Irving,
0: and uh, don't forget Skip and RJ and
1: SJ. SJ. Yeah, you always say RJ. It's SJ. What do you have for dessert? Hold on, folks. Bigger oh. name on the other line. Strawberry thing? <laughs> Strawberry <laughs> thing What kind of chocolate? Forever. Oh, oh I got, I got, I, that's okay. Oh, okay, thank you. And we just, uh, we sorry, that was an uh, impromptu pause for the cause as we, Al checks the dessert menu. I told you we were live.
2: brownie almond, hot churros with chocolate dipping sauce.
1: Oh my God.
2: And then blackberry cinnamon. Should we tell her that
1: she's going to be featured on a podcast now? She's on a podcast. Yes.
0: Let me get the cinnamon churro chips. Cinnamon some
5: insurance.
1: I'm good, thank you. You're gonna... nice. Thank you. Well, now that we've uh, finished getting the prize closet, it's time once again for that call from our favorite young lady from the South wait, 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 Side of Philly. That's
0: not our lawyer, is it?
1: No, oh. I told you. Mr. Oh. Cheatham. Is the, Cheatham is at the bottom of Lake Norman with some overshoes. Okay. We now go to the South Side of Philly for our favorite person to talk about the recent happenings in Monkeydom and what's coming up in the future. It's time for Jody Ritson's corner. And it's time once again on the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast, where we go to that blinking line, pick up the phone, and talk to our third member of our podcast team in the beautiful city of brotherly love, the woman who has all the news that is news across Monkey Nation. Hello, Jody.
2: Well, that was impressive. I'm, I'm, wow. You're really getting good at this thing, aren't you? Uh,
1: you know, I might be a podcaster before too long.
2: I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in monkey world right now.
1: No (laughs) kidding, especially the stuff that you announced today. I'm scrounging for that extra $250, but we'll get to that in a little bit.
2: (laughs) Uh, So, um, boy, where do you want to start? I mean, there's so much to talk about.
1: Let's start with Mickey before we go to Nez. We'll save Nez for last.
2: Okay. Okay. That's good. So for Mickey... What? Uh, which part are we starting with Mickey?
1: Well, I want to talk about the upcoming California show, the, uh, the karaoke. Oh, in show.
2: Upland, California. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, Mickey and I are doing our karaoke in Upland, California on November the 3rd. Um, Upland is right by the Ontario airport, and it's this house. So it's a private event. More or less, it's not exactly what I normally do, and um, and it's um, it's this whole meet and greet thing, it's a dinner, it's alcohol, it's just an unbelievable opportunity. I'm so excited to go, got my new clothes and everything.
1: Fun will be had by all at some point.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My friend Marty from the New Monkeys is coming with me, and I think Dino is also coming with me. They're my uh. They're my new friends from California, and uh, I'm enjoying hanging around with them and learning a lot of things that I didn't ever know in the monkey fandom. Absolutely, uh,
1: absolutely. That
2: uh, got got into their their psyche. But, yeah, everything um, in Upland is great. Um, I've been sharing the information. It's called Night of Dreams, N-I-T-E of Dreams, and it's hosted by Carolyn Peterson, she, I met her, actually, she works with Starsky and Hutch. Mm-hmm. So I met her um, at one of the events, and she came up to me and she said, it's funny, she came up to me and said that Mickey was one of her idols. And I said, well, that's funny, because my best friend's idol is from Starsky and Hutch. And so it worked out wonderful. Um, we all got to exchange our our idols that e- that day, uh, so it was great. And so that is November on the November third. Then we're going to we're going to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. We're doing um, the Pittsburgh Steel City Comic Con,
5: mm-hmm.
2: and Mickey and I will be at the Steel City Comic Con. And we decided that we wanted to do a holiday party and of course it's going to be karaoke but this would be a great opportunity for all of our friends from the East Coast to kind of meet up and make it our first holiday party and so we are doing the ugly sweater thing we're doing the glitter thing the dressed up thing but I'm really pleasantly surprised and excited about all of the people that are coming. This is going to be one that I just, and I'm very excited because I have friends from all over that are coming, some are meeting for the first time, and I'm just very excited about it. So all of that information is actually on my website at www.monkeymeetandgreets.com. And there's different levels of participation. You can get a ticket that's $55. You can get a ticket that is $100. And you can get a ticket that is allows you to actually sing karaoke with Mickey. And um, those are going pretty fast. And all the information will be sent out closer to that event. But we have the whole weekend together. So I'm, I'm just very excited to see all the all the fans from all over that are coming out to support the uh, the event. And, of course, a portion of the proceeds Mickey always gives to Make-A-Wish whenever we do anything together. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I really, really hope that you make it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to start calling you the karaoke queen because not only have you um, and I'm not getting to the second half of this yet, but not only are you organizing karaoke events with Mickey, but Barry's interested in it. Marty's interested in it, and there's one other person that doesn't, ha- doesn't have a major connection to the monkeys. that uh, your new friend in New York that I'll give you a chance to plug.
2: Yeah, you know what? Um, when I approached Mickey about this karaoke idea, it was literally because I had so many people that would send me messages um, that their wish was to sing with Mickey, and I don't do karaoke. I've never participated in karaoke willingly, and um But I figured it was probably the the easiest way for us to get around without having the whole band um, involved because it's very expensive. So first Mickey was like, I don't know. And then we decided that he would try it, and then he wound up loving it. So um, what happened was a couple of other celebrities had seen us do it, and they were like, this is unbelievable because you see the connection that is being made with the celebrity and with the person who's sitting with them so uh yeah i just got john o'hurley who is from seinfeld and uh he's mr peterman and i went and i actually saw his show chicago on broadway and he was amazing and so he wants to start doing it barry williams is starting to do it, and um, Mickey, and I have a whole bunch of other people that are interested. We actually trademarked um, Celebrity Karaoke, uh, because that was, yeah, Mickey said, you have to do this, and I did it, and they really think that this is the up-and-coming thing. It's a lot of fun, raises a lot of money for charity, and it's just a great way for you to have that five minutes of losing yourself with Mm -hmm. that one person that means so much to you
1: absolutely now one of the things that you recently brought up on your page is uh you were talking to mickey about something and you got some seriously good suggestions and that's for the uh the christmas present kind of thing or what merchandise for christmas
2: yeah, well, I'm very lucky because, um, we have so many good fans that have input. And I want to, I've been talking to Mickey about different ideas that the fans would like. And so we're just, um, we actually have a meeting on October, uh, 21st and 22nd. We have, we have a meeting, um, to decide. But I've been telling him song lyrics. People want his handwritten song lyrics. Mm-hmm. I've been telling him. You know, different ideas um, that we should start working on, and so hopefully we'll be able to nail it down since we're getting just under the wire of stuff that we are able to actually produce in time.
1: Excellent. Yeah, well, I'll keep my fingers crossed. I made one suggestion. It didn't get any play until Christy made until our good friend Christy, Christy Goodwin made the same suggestion. All of a sudden, it took off.
2: <laughs> what? Was that? Wait, what was that suggestion?
1: The personalized video messages.
2: Oh yeah, well we—that's actually something that I've talked to him about doing. That's part Mm of that. That is absolutely something that we're going to be doing. No, I Um, was—I
1: was just being silly because, like I say, I wrote it. I I mentioned it early on. Nobody caught it, but Christy takes of it, and it's all of a sudden. It just goes to show you they like Christy more than they do me. So that's fine.
2: Listen, Al, (laughs) she's a hottie. I'm not going to lie. Like. Mm Christie is just she's beautiful inside and out and she oh, yeah. makes me feel very insecure about my height every time I'm with her but at the same time I love her so much and wouldn't change anything about her Jody, um, so, she
1: makes me feel insecure about my height <laughs> and I'm 6 one so it's like you know but she was it was it was great meeting her at at, uh, at Steel City she was wonderful
2: she's I have a very I have a wonderful group of friends and Every one of them I love more and more and more, and so and, I... And is your friend Sandy, is,
1: is our friend Sandy coming back for uh, Pittsburgh, or...
2: Sandy is coming in for Pittsburgh, she sure is, She she's going to spend her first um, uh, Thanksgiving in America, Excellent. and so we are kidnapping her, and we're going to do the whole Thanksgiving thing, because Sandy's a part of our family, she's not just a yeah. friend, so... We're very excited to uh, have her for all the American holidays now.
1: Well, that's great, and I know knowing you, Mickey is going to end up with a serious case of writer's cramp before Christmas. We can see that coming now. Especially if they go with the handwritten just, lyrics. So he
2: just said to me the other day, he's like, I can't do like eighty of these and I said, No, I have an idea. Just just wait until I see you. <laughs> we'll go over it, you know?
1: Well that's I mean he is he is still going strong. The great thing about who was it, the guy wrote a review and said Mickey must have uh, about the Christmas C D and said Mickey must have made a deal with the devil because his voice is still so Amazing, and again, that goes back to the Broadway training that he has. That's why he's been able to to be so strong for so long.
2: He has one of the best voices, and in fact, my son... Um, who is just starting to uh, really understand music, said he can't believe how Mickey's voice is still so amazing. And and it really is. I mean, you know, he beats it up, and he's just unbelievable.
1: Absolutely. All right, so we have El Delenzio taken care of. Now we get to the good stuff, because uh, out to the West Coast, you have come up with a couple of things recently, uh, one did you announce today? But the one that blew me away was what, the one thing I thought you'd never be able to pull off.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, a couple. You know, the karaoke thing is perfect for Mickey, right? Mm, yes. But there's a different type of fan that is a Nez head versus perhaps a monkey-inspired fan.
1: Us you Nez know, fans, we all love Jiff. That's what.
2: Okay, so there's definitely a there's a different type of breed, and a lot of them are are musicians mm-hmm. um, that I've noticed. And um, I was thinking about something after we did karaoke with Mickey in Ohio. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, a a man named uh, Mitch Michael. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark Michael, Mark Michael, and he's a professional musician. And he said to me, I want to do Porpoise Song and The Girl I Could Love, but I want to do it on guitar. I don't want to do it karaoke. And I said, "Okay." So I said to Mickey, I said, you know, what about this? And and he goes, he's going to play Porpoise Song on guitar. And I said, yeah. And he goes, fine with me. So... (laughs) When I saw this performance happen, and I, I, it just blew me away. And I thought to myself, "This to me is something that I think I could get Nez to agree to. Mm-hmm. If I would not, I would not suggest karaoke to Michael Nesmith at all. I mean, I just, I wouldn't, I couldn't see him doing that. But what I could imagine." And I've thought about it for a while and waited until the the end of the F&B tour so that he had some time to really think about it before he said yes or no. And the idea is that Video Ranch, there's a lot of curiosity about Video Ranch, and I was lucky enough to actually go to Video Ranch. Mm -hmm. And it's not a ranch, and it's not like this huge thing. I mean, don't ask. I thought it was the Hollywood Bowl because I didn't realize it was a green screen. I mean... Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of misconceptions. and But we have this facility that has all of the instruments. It has all the updated video equipment. Everything that we need is right there. So I thought, what if we were able to get a limited group of fans? Because it's not that big. And would Nez, if a portion of the proceeds went to charity, be on the stage with a guitar and with a fan uh, a musician. It could be somebody that plays, somebody that doesn't play, whatever you want to call it. Would mm-hmm. he sit on a stage and sing, share a microphone with a diehard fan? And I presented it properly, I guess, because the next email that I got was set it up. Wow. So, yeah. Um. So. Just like every other conversation or email or text message that I get from Mickey or Nez, I run up to my husband and I'm jumping up and down and I'm screaming, <laughs> you're not going to believe he said yes. <laughs> and and my husband, poor thing, he's like, what now? And I said, Nez said yes. And so there's the details are still going to be worked out. But basically... I want to allow at least 10 to 12 people that you don't have to be good. I don't care if you can sing, but I know that there's a lot of very, very talented people out there that would just die for the opportunity to sit on a stage one-on-one with Michael Nesmith, you know, playing a song on an instrument or just singing with him, Silver Moon, or you know, Grand Ennui or whatever song, and mm-hmm. I just picture this being a lifetime opportunity. And so that's my next project for 2019 uh, that I'm very excited about. I, I I just know that Nez loves being with the fans more than ever. And the fact that he takes my ideas and he believes in me knows that I'm not trying to embarrass him, or Mickey as well, that I really want the fans to experience the feeling that I have, which is just eternal greatness. It, I feel I feel like everybody should have the same passion that I have for something, and I really believe that these things, are they are costly. It costs a lot of money to put these things on. I mean, I don't know why... I don't know if people ever put parties on, but it's very costly. There's a lot of work involved. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of parts. And I'm lucky to have my husband. I'm lucky to have some of the girls help me. But for the most part, I'm doing this by myself. I'm the director, the producer, and um, the host. So it is a lot of work, and there's a lot of expense involved. But... As long as a portion goes to charity and they and the guys see what kind of effect it has on fans, they're open to my ideas. And the ideas are not to keep people out. It's to give people more, to give people an opportunity. Um, and I, and I, I really believe in this. I really believe that there's a connection here, and I'm very excited for this. I'm, and I'm hoping we'll be able to live stream it on VR3D.
1: Absolutely! That's oh, that would be that would be the most awesome thing. Now, I'll put another bug in your ear. If you're going to have Nez on stage, there might be one or two other people that you might want to add.
2: Everything right now is um, subject to time. I know exactly where you're going with this because I know you and read your mind. Um, we're working on all the different ideas. I'm actually I'm hoping to do a two day, not a one mm-hmm. day. So it will justify somebody traveling from far away because let's face it, most of us don't live there. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm I'm actually the details are just coming about, but I wanted to just let people know what I have up my sleeve because I get too excited to not share it with everybody else.
1: Absolutely, and, oh yeah. So well, you can't have a jar of jiff on stage. We know that, but I'm just saying. But yes, this is the most incredible thing I think I have ever seen you pull. I think this is this (laughs) this is you know
2: you have. What's she gonna do next? (laughs) No,
1: I I don't think I don't think that you uh, there's anything that, that you can do except if we go through with the event that we've talked about for next year that we that you and I talked yeah. about, um, then you need to have not you need to have not only Mickey and Mike there, but four other gentlemen that I think would be an absolute um, perfect addition to the final convention. Now are if, you you can, if you if you are can you pull, talking about
2: the new monkeys?
1: Yes, I'm talking about those four guys. Yes. I'm talking about Marty Dino, Larry
2: and Jared, yes. You know what, I'll tell you something. Um I'll tell you, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on any of this with the new monkey stuff. But when I do, I'm gonna interview Marty and Dino. I'm hoping I because well, 'cause I'm seeing them in November, and I'm hoping to interview them on a live stream.
5: Mm-hmm. But
2: truthfully, they are such. If if you heard the stories that I heard, that they the. the, the it is literally a part of monkey fandom yeah. history. It's not. Uh, it's not at this point what's a good idea, bad idea, a good name, a bad name. We're 30 years past that nonsense. Sure. What it is, the similarities in how they were produced. This they literally were going through like monkey training camp one oh one because they liter and I I want them to tell the story, but if you knew what I knew and what was done to them in it's it's so sad and the way that the media was, the way the fans were, the way everything went down, they literally one I mean they had a dream job opportunity mm-hmm. they were promised the world and um, you know there's just a lot of things that in and it's not there's so much speculation and so much wrong information that I think it's actually fair to hear because it's not about Mickey, Mike, Peter and Davy. this is a Bob Rafelson Bert Schneider and Steve Blauner Mm -hmm. project that if you saw what they were trying to do by duplicate history and duplicate the process and throw, you know, crap against the wall, like not their music, because I do think their music was very good, but I'm going to have them tell the story because it's not my story and it really destroyed their life. But what I think fans forget is the monkeys, our monkeys, the original monkeys went through controversy when they came out. So it's not like it's it's almost like we are we're we were all over the fact by the '80s that they didn't play their own instruments, write their own songs, whatever, whatever, whatever nonsense that pissed off the '60s. We were pissed off in the '80s, you know, and we didn't let it go. When realistically. There's such a bond between these people and oh. what they went through. Oh yeah. So um, I'm I'm it, it really is a part of Monkey history. Absolutely, to me. and and, but, it's,
1: and it's time with it's time that we as uh, the uh, as the original fans we embrace them because as I when I when I weighed in with my nickelsworth on this, yeah you know, I I saw the crap that was going on. When, yeah. when you became involved with it and uh, and I just said, look, as me personally, I ignored them. I didn't check them out. I wasn't angry at them. I was more PO'd at Steve Blowner because and uh, take nothing away, Dino told me at one time uh, that Steve was a, almost like a second father to him and that's fine for them. But Steve Blowner was one of the guys that screwed over Davey uh, royally in the past. So once having learned that, my vitriol was more toward Blinder. Uh, the four guys were just going through. It, it was uh, it, it was another casting call. As I said, they were doing. You and I, you and I as well. If we were given that opportunity, wanting to be actors and singers and performers, given an opportunity to star in a TV show, we jump at it. And you know, just that's.
2: You know, I can't help but wonder, and this is a discussion also, but I can't help but wonder if it wasn't about the timing. See, I really firmly believe in the stories that I heard. Obviously, this was about money. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's the bottom line. They saw how big the monkeys became in the '80s. They were not anything for 20 years. Nobody cared about them. As soon as they got big, somebody's light bulb goes off and goes, "Well, geez, we should do this again." And And we should, you know, take all this newfound monkey love and Mm -hmm. we should run with it, guys. And, And instead, if this project didn't come out where it seemed as though it was kind of a slap in the face and a stab in the back to the original monkeys because now they're on top of the world and now these guys want them to turn the olive branch over and say, hey guys, now you're the monkeys and we're going to pass the torch to you. Yeah. If it wasn't, if they were if if they were not big at that time, mm-hmm. probably not many people would have cared. But yeah. I think it was like, sort of like when you tell the little kid that you're pregnant and they're like well why do you need another kid when aren't I good enough for you you know mm, true. so so if so it 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 had it was a good idea and it was a not good idea the sad part is that the talent in the musicians that these mm-hmm. guys were went I think un, un, unnoticed um, there's a reason the show was was kind of crappy. Um, there were reasons for that, which I'm going to let them tell the story. But realistically, they didn't give it a chance. They, it, it, we all know, we all know where it fell mm-hmm. short. Sure. But what we don't realize is the trauma that it caused these four guys. Indeed, you know? Mean, that's
1: I, uh, that's got to be the one reason why Larry stays off of social media because of the fact that yeah, his brothers on, I mean, but.
2: When I when I listen, I'm not kidding you, I went to dinner with Dino and Marty
1: mm-hmm.
2: and when they were telling me the stories about what happened to them behind the scenes, yeah. I'm this day and age with the way bullying is and social media, I literally sat there thinking to myself, I can't believe that none of them killed themselves. Yeah. It was that bad. It was that horrible, it was that bad, it was that career ending, mm-hmm. it was you know, four young guys Promised the world and then kicked not only in the face but kicked in the head, kicked mm-hmm. in the back, in the ass, and you know. And yeah. I really, this day and age, I don't know if it would have ended the same way. I think that that we would have broken them down. True. Um, because it was more hidden back then. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what I think they were a little bit surprised from my perspective was me as a kid. They felt when they went on interviews. Um, and they were explaining the concept of the new monkeys. They thought they did a great job in explaining. No, I'm not the new Mickey. I'm not the. I'm not trying to be the Davy. I'm not the Mike, and I'm not the Mickey. Mm-hmm. They thought they were making that clear. But what maybe they didn't realize is a 12 year old, a short attention span mm-hmm. an editor, and then two minutes of airtime didn't come across that way to me. No. It came across as this is just a new show that's supposed to be like an updated version of the show that I'm currently watching for the first time. I didn't even finish watching the reruns Mm -hmm. of the original Monkeys. When you're handing me, this was too much for me to process. (laughs) So I don't think they realized it because they were in a bubble. Absolutely. You know, but, but... it's very it's it's very sad this is not a nice business at all I mean it's like running outside without your clothes on you're exposed to everybody and you are at everybody's you know mercy so i'm I'm really looking forward to trying to get their music out there I mean I listen to their record and their record is so much better than like the 80s monkey stuff that was put out mm-hmm you know, I would, You know, anyone that was a fan of, like, let's say Nelson, should have yeah. loved this album. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Turn It Up? Is that what their new monkeys... I, I mean, believe it was, yes. They just are very talented guys. So I'm very mm-hmm. excited that they also trust that I'm not going to, you know, embarrass them. Because, listen, I could be the biggest, you know... Um, I could be the person that reminds everybody how much we hate them and continue to talk bad about them. And so I think they also are very surprised how much I have embraced mm-hmm. them um because they're just wonderful people. Just they're just great people.
1: Well, Dino especially when I when I came out and gave my little essay on ex- exploring them with with Open eyes, uh, an open mind, and everything. Dina was very, uh, very uh, appreciative of it. And then he gave me a little bit of background on one of the things that I mentioned, and then it made all it made all sense in the world. I can't blame, I, I will never blame the four guys for the failure of that show. It was all the behind the scenes stuff because they're, you know, it, I put this it squarely on Bert, Bob, and and, and Steve. So yeah. So we will, we will, we, you and I will have to sit down. We'll have to record a, a, a discussion for the a, a future episode. So
2: that would be wonderful. I um. really, I really want everybody to get out there and give it a shot. I mean, mm-hmm. the one thing that us monkey fans all share is the love of music. Mm-hmm. So if I'm telling you, or you'd say to me, "Hey, Jode, I want you to listen to this song. I really think you might like it." Why wouldn't I like it? Because we share the same love of music. So if I'm telling you, guys, you got to check out this song, I'm telling you it because I want to share something that I found to be really unique and wonderful. And and I think that if you give it a shot, you'll find the same thing um, that I have.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, There was the one song, was it Boy Inside the Man? That
2: I, I, and I like that one affection mm-hmm. it's like it, it gets in my ears like it like it, it I just love it so much
1: but yeah but I like to say we hope uh, at one point I'm gonna reach out to to Marty and Dino and try to get them on the show as well so but I look forward to you being able to talk to them so uh, yeah, a- I'm anything, anything else you want to bring up there uh, while, while we got gotcha? you
2: so um I just want people to check out Pittsburgh. go to my website because I keep updating it with the new dates that we have. Upland is November. December is Pittsburgh and um, and I have a phone call with my boss tonight to find out if there's anything else that we're adding but you know me, I'm trying. <laughs>
1: yes, you are very much and like say uh, Jody, just remember uh, Charlotte is a good place for a karaoke. Okay, so just remember that. So.
2: Hey, I'm working on it. <laughs> trust me. All
1: right, Jody, have a, and, but, and guess what? It's finally what? fall here in North Carolina. I know uh, I saw Christie's breaking out her boots already, so it's like, have, have you started bundling up up there in Philly?
2: I had my boots on this morning. <laughs> I That's- had my boots on, and I'm ready to. Uh, I'm ready to walk.
1: Excellent. Well, listen, it always is fun to talk to you. I mean, as I said, you are the woman that has all the news that is news, and I actually swiped that from uh, uh, Laugh-In. So.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. All well, right. good. Keep in touch with me, and I will be around for the next uh, edition of Where in the World or Mickey and Mike.
1: <laughs> all right. So now, before we say adieu, au revoir, Al we thought we'd do something really nice because of the fact that we were not able to get Nez and Circe and Christian before they went back onto the road. What we thought we would do is, I took the interview that Al and I did with Nez back in December of last year, and kind of as an early two-year anniversary present to you guys, I edited it down. So we're going to share with you some of the highlights of our discussion with Michael Nesmith as they began to prepare for the January uh, leg of the FNB Redux tour. And trust me. You're going to want to hang out for the GIF story. So how did this all come together? I mean, whose idea was it?
3: Well, the real answer to that is I don't know. Somebody asked me that question yesterday, and that was the answer. I really can't remember. I asked my assistant if she remembered, and she said no. She was around for it, but she didn't remember it either. She she sort of recalls that the agents and Andrew Sandoval, the guy who uh, sometimes produces monkey stores, mm-hmm. uh. had had called up and said, we've got, there's a groundswell out there. People chattering about hearing that the possibilities of a national band tour might come back. And is that true? And I said, well, it's not, it's not true, but it's not impossible. So then I started calling around first people. I called were my kids. I called Jonathan and Christian and I said, you guys want to come play first national band? They said, sure. And I said, you know, anybody else that does. And they said, sure. So that put together the bulk of it. The hardest, hardest uh, replacement really was red. Absolutely. That was just sweet, generous, and and also just out in in the zone. Mm -hmm. So that was somebody who sort of shared that zone. Pete had been on the road with me, uh, and I, I knew his work, and I knew him, and that just seemed like a really easy fit. He was thrilled to do it, so. So it all fell. It all fell in place, and the agents and guys called up and said, "Well, we said we said you'd be at the Troubadour, and it sold out in you know like fifteen minutes." So
1: that had to be encouraging, I know.
3: It was very encouraging, and he said, uh, "You know, we could put together like three or four more dates if you want to do it." I said, "Well, let's look at them." So they did, and I did, and I said, "Well, let's go try it." You know, they didn't sell out as fast, but they did sell a lot of tickets right off the bat. So that was. a little bit of impetus
1: there jody always likes to say you know if you have the money you've got to jump on these opportunities when necessary because we don't know how much longer they're going to be And as a fan of both the group work and your solo work this is really encouraging because i loved the older stuff i really did
3: very good very good cool talk to me a little
1: bit about what's it like playing with christian and jonathan together i think this is the first time they've ever played together in a group
3: Well, for me, it's a, it's, it's great. You know, they're both master class musicians and uh, they uh, both can really sort of hit anything we swing at. So that's all really encouraging. I'm used to playing with guys that play like that, playing with session men over the years. Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, it, it it all was a real natural fit. They of course grew up with the music and uh, they know it really well. And, we did a full rehearsal the other night where I just wanted to listen to the mix
5: because
3: mm-hmm. I've got a really good front of house mixer to make sure that it sounds good in the crowd. And <clears throat> I wanted to hear how it sounded just listening to it. And I asked Jonathan to take over lead vocal chores. And he just jumped in. He knew all the songs, he <laughs> knew how they went. It was, you know, it was great. So having those two pillars there is, is terrific. And of course, Christian uh, has a whole range of instruments from a double neck to, uh, to his acoustic stuff. And he, 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 uh, he learned his way through this music when we went out with the movers of the Mind tour mm-hmm. and, uh, everybody gets along really good. That's, uh, that's no, no issue. And it's just, uh, I think it's going to be a really good time.
1: I presume you're going to be doing the traditional arrangements of the songs, correct? Like they came from the album?
3: Yeah, for uh, for a national band.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, that's correct. There's no, no real changes. We're we're pulling it more or less right off the record. Now, keep in mind, a lot of those records were you know just made up on the spot, and what Brad was, ma- <laughs> what what Brad was making up, was just completely cosmic, you know, uh, boundary dissolving kind of solos and licks and riffs and so forth. So. I don't think Pete's going to try to duplicate those. He's he's got some of the um, solos duplicated, and he's got other stuff. But then there's room in this national band conceit for a lot of uh, just vamping and riffing and uh, playing stuff that you know comes up on the fly. The structures of the song are the same. It's going to be like the records mm-hmm. I, I published uh, on a, a, a Facebook. Page, or I'm not sure how they put it up but uh, on the Facebook page the set list
1: yeah Video Ranch did it yeah
3: oh cool and so uh, that's it I mean you know it's it's like what you're going to hear if you come in to hear the national band you're going to hear those uh, a nice sampling of those first four albums first and second national band mm-hmm. and then a couple of dips in the later stuff like I'm planning on playing Rays
5: mm-hmm.
3: right now I'm planning on playing Wax Minute but you know a few <laughs> of those things that uh, are going to be uh, uh, less familiar, but really a lot of fun to hear and play.
1: Well, I was looking at the list, and what gets me excited: "Calico Girlfriend," uh, Nine <laughs> Times Blue," which is which is one of I think everybody's favorite one of your solo that that kind of bridged the the group and and the first national band redux. "Crippled Lion," which was always one of my favorites. So, you know, the when I discovered it on uh, Missing Links Two, I just fell in love with it, but. Yeah, Little Red Rider, which is I'm, I'll divert divert for just a second. I got a brand new car this year that happens to be red, and that is the nickname of it, and that's the going on the license plate is Little Red Rider. So,
3: so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I mean, you know, Mama Nantucket, uh the fact that you're gonna do some of Shelly's Blues, which is an amazing song. Um, Silver Moon, yeah, and, and I see that you're gonna include Thanks for the ride. I will be interested to hear how Pete manages to equal red <laughs> on the on the work on that song.
3: I can tell you from the rehearsals, he's he's dead on. Uh, he decided to play Red's uh, solos and for, for that particular song because they were just so celestial, and uh, it's it, it sounds fantastic. It's uh it's Pete and Christian and Jonathan all playing guitars together. Wow! Uh, duplicating those uh, incredible crescendos and falls and waterfalls that uh, Red put in the uh, the solo section. So it sounds fantastic.
1: Was there any of the, the songs that are on this list, were there any ones that you looked at recently and just said, you know, this really is better than I thought it was when I first did it?
3: Um, yeah, a couple of them. Uh, we're going to sing "Tango Amor,
1: mm-hmm.
3: which is uh, half Latin and half English. But it's also just a monster to play. It's really, really hard. Uh, and, you know, to my good fortune, the band can play it. So now the question is: uh, Is it? Uh, am I going to be able to sing it <laughs> and and pull off the uh, pull off the Spanish language part of it? And so far, so good. So far, it's you know, it sounds like broken Spanish, which of course is what it is. But so far, so good. And when when it pops off the stage, there's so much uh, energy to it. It's just uh, like it's like a whole new song about a fighter sounds really good too
1: excellent so tell me at this point in your life how have you been preparing for this I know it's only five dates but Jody says you've been working out a lot and are you prepping for this tour different than say for movies of the mind
3: yeah 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 um, quite a bit different uh, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of physical exercise um, and uh, you know standing up there and being the focal point of it and so forth is, is a lot like movies of the mind. But, in an odd way, the national band material is so much more uh, cosmic and so much more intricate mm-hmm. than the movies tour and the movie songs. So, there's a level of uh, mental um, rehearsing and uh, you know working working to make it uh, as good as it possibly can be that just involves mental work, you know, remembering things and pronouncing things and doing stuff, it's quite a bit different. <clears throat> Which means that the time I spend playing the guitar and so forth is about twice the amount of time I spend playing for movies.
1: Excellent. The tour and, and the dates that I've seen, the first one is Pappy and Harriet's in Town. Now, I know that you are a big fan of old westerns like I am, and you know that they did a lot of, they shot a lot of TV shows, the western TV shows there. Is this your first time performing in Pioneer Pioneertown, and does that have some sort of a, a a unique atmosphere for you because of the history there?
3: Well, first of all, no. I, I shot Rio there. shot a big portion of Rio there. Ah, okay. And also where we shot some of Navajo Trail. Those are called – I think they're called Vasquez Rocks, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Up out by there. And that's a that's a long – that's where all the westerns were shot. And because of it, that's why I went over there to shoot Rio and Navajo Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to Pappy's,
5: mm-hmm. so
3: I don't know anything about that. I, I spent a lot of time crawling around the desert.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: In the uh, early seventies and early eighties, I did a lot of off-road racing through there. I,
1: I remember that, yeah.
3: Yeah, and so it, you know, I'm I'm real familiar with the territory. I love the territory up in there. I, I'm going to be real interesting to see, interested to see what Pappy's is like.
1: Mm-hmm. I understand it has a very uh, a very rich history of, of, of great acts performing there. So you're just going to take it to the next level. I know this. So
3: yeah, well, that's uh, one of the reasons I was interested. You know, uh, uh, somebody said, you know, you, you can really only get in there with by invitation. You don't get mm-hmm. to just, you know, book a book it as a venue. So that was, you know, alluring. And and uh, uh, when they said, yeah, we'd love to have you, I was. Thrill, so it's 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 going to be a nice little badge. Uh, there was some contemplation about should we do it because it, it crunches the tour up. You know, there's only five dates, mm-hmm. so and it crunches two of the dates right back to back. The the one from the Troop to uh, the one in, in Santa Cruz at the Rio, and uh, that's that's always a tough you know traveling day of show is always kind of tough. But I think these five are just just perfect. I'm really looking forward to the Chapel show. That's a great venue, and it's got a lot of history there up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I've invited a lot of my friends from San Francisco, and that's the one that uh, Ben is going to come, Ben Gibbard is going to come play.
1: Yeah, when Jody told me this, and we know that, that Ben is a big fan of the group. I got really excited when I heard that he wanted to come play, and his dad was the one who introduced you to your music. So what does that mean? Because I know he wants to play uh, during the show.
3: Yeah, well, he's going to play six songs. Uh, I said, you know— Here's my set list. Take your pick. What do you want to play? You can play every song there. You can play a few or you can play one or we can do however you want to do it. And he rolled back and he says, well, you know, my dream is to play. um, I'd love to play these. Uh, And uh, I was really gratified by what he picked. But his absolute first first pick, number one, uh, play at all cost and thrilled to play it is uh, Crippled Lion, which I was so surprised. I had no idea that he was even aware of the song. He said it was one of his all-time favorites. And so there's some other um, uh, you know, great material that he picked. Uh, I think it's going to be good. I don't have any idea what it's going to sound like.
1: But Hey, well, he's know. got good taste if he chose Crippled Lion. So, like, I know that's going to be a huge show, and that is the 20, uh, 28th at the Chapel in San Francisco. The big one for me and the one I wish I could be there is going to be at the true because that's so, that holds so much history for you. Is this the one that's probably going to give you the most butterflies and the one that you're looking the most forward to?
3: Well, butterflies is maybe not the right word because I'm not the least bit jittery about it. But in terms of its emotional content, uh, somebody said to me the other day, I said, well, you know, it's not that big of a venue. It's only 500 people. And they said, yeah, but it's the right 500 people. And there was something, you know, resonant in that. When I first played there, that was the first time that I'd ever really, as I say in Infinite Tuesday, um, encountered performative art, where you change the the scene that you're in by virtue of what you're doing. And uh, I know I know that sounds solipsistic in a way, or t- or tautological, but it's it's a uh, it's a real thing. And when it happens to you as an artist standing on the stage, and you realize this is performative, this is making this condition that I'm in, uh, independent of me, but because of all of us here, then having the right 500 just sends it to another level, makes it, you know, electrifying. And I'm looking forward to see if that might happen again.
1: I think it will be. To me, with all due respect to Ben showing up at the castle, if you're one of those 500 people, I think this is going to be, it will be an amazing event. I can only imagine the energy that's going to be there for for you, the, the, the positive energy, the, the being around people that really appreciate the first national band music.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I don't know if I've got butterflies, but I sure am looking forward to it.
1: Talking about the, 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 the first four albums, For somebody that is a big fan of the group but hasn't really taken the time to reach out and and learn more about the FNB, what can you tell people that they can expect if they listen to these albums, if they've never discovered the great music that's
3: on them? Well, first thing is grab the book, Infinite Tuesday, and read about the origins of it. Uh, It's circled around Johnny Ware and Red Rhodes. They were pushing, or Johnny was pushing to... Me to go out with a band, him and John, where uh, John London, and uh, and talked about who sh- who else could we get, and I said, well, you know, my dream is Red Rhodes, and the reason for it is because I had been watching Red play at the uh, uh, Palomino for a few years while I was in the Monkees, and uh, you know, I would go in, and so I was a bit, I was a celebrity, and I was sort of, you know, an anomaly in the club and so forth, uh, and <clears throat> only. After the monkeys were off the air, I could go in and watch Red play and be more or less left alone. Just watch these micro movements of his foot and his steel bar. You know, the joke among steel players is it's not out of tune as long as the bar's moving. And <laughs> Red, you know, his his uh, I don't know. It was I want to I want to use the word svelte, but there's something about the way Red. Played the instrument that dissolved boundaries. Uh, the instrument is infinite by design, doesn't have any edges. You can, you know, play it as as, as part of the infinity. And um, that's what Red did. And then <clears throat> not long after that, after Johnny asked him if he would join, Red would join the band. And I had these songs laying around that, of course, the monkeys didn't want to have anything to do with. When I say the monkeys, I'm talking about the uh, real Building and the corporate and people like who were making the records. Sure. And and uh, so Johnny and John Ware, oh, shit. Johnny and John London, they were uh, they've been around for a long time. John London had come out with me from Texas, and, mm-hmm. and they knew what was on with this. And uh, so. I, the only the only thing that didn't quite screw together was that Red was a, a kind of an old time player in addition to being a cosmic player. And by old time, I'm talking about 1940s Hank Williams, 1950s Hank Williams, Hank mm-hmm. Snow, that sort of stuff. It's classic country. And, yeah. yeah. And I turned him on. I said, uh, here, have you ever tried cannabis? Try this instead of drinking. And it was just a whole other world for him. Mm. <laughs> he went, Wow, what is this? This is, you know, my instrument has come to life. And I said, I expect it has. He was, now he couldn't smoke. I think he did smoke tobacco, but he, he uh, cannabis, he choked on it, you know, like a lot of us did. And, and so he wanted to eat it. But, you know, you can't really eat it. He started growing it in his closet. He had a 100 plants in his wow. closet. Wow giant plants. I'm talking about, you know, nine foot plants, eight holy foot holy smoke. Under grow lights and so forth. This is back in the time when if you got caught with an ounce, you went to prison for life. Yeah. And he had all this in his closet and he said, you know, I don't I don't like to smoke it. Can you eat it? How can you ingest it? I said, Well a lot of people eat it. And then uh Dana started baking brownies for him. hmm And those, you know, uh, I don't know, cannabis brownies just are not my cup of tea. It's it, blows up the chocolate somehow gotcha. and and he said well everything goes with peanut butter how about if we stir it into a jar of jif <laughs> <laughs> and i said Well try it eureka and so he got him a quart <laughs> jar of jif and he just poured it like a cup and a half of the ground leaves in it buds and flour and took a wooden spoon and stirred it up and took out the wooden spoon and you know took a bite of it And he said, not only did it taste really good to him, that it just made him high as a kite. Wow. And I took a little bit of it and I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it as an edible. I didn't really enjoy it much as a smoke. The only thing I loved about it was the high, you know, Mm -hmm. the the hanging out playing music. But the, uh, but the way Red took to it, that instrument just unfolded in his hands like an orchid. Uh It was, became a whole nother space to watch Red Rhodes get high and play that instrument and everybody who came to it and started to look at it realized oh this is another space i mean i don't mean to compare him to hendrix but he had something of the same thing going on and <clears throat> so when things started to come together i realized this is this is where i step off of the monkeys and onto the national band this is this is where i can take what I want to do musically next. And we—I I put, uh, got a deal with RCA and made the first album, Magnetic South, that had Joanne on it. Mm-hmm. Joanne got some traction on some top 40 airplay stations in the United States. And just about the time it hit the charts, my manager said, "Well, we should probably leave the country."
1: <laughs> I, I remember. I remember reading that story, and I, and I just had to scratch my head on that one. I'm going, you know, the press conference with Jimi Hendrix was great over there, but yeah, I I, I question that motive. That that was a little bit strange.
3: Yeah. So so there went that, and when I came back, there was a lot of pushback. There was also a lot of people doing it by that time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, McGuinn and the Birds and. Uh, the burritos and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know all those guys were playing, and so now <clears throat> instead of it being original to me and Johnny and John and Red, they thought we were piling on. They thought I was piling on. They didn't realize I'd written these songs five and eight years ago, sure. and they didn't realize that this was the music of my heart. And so we would got we got a lot of ridicule and a lot of. Um, you know, guys making fun of us, they would laugh at us when we were on stage with them, if we were in a review show or something like that. It was very disheartening. I can imagine. And then at a certain point, nobody came anymore. Nobody oh. wanted to see the first national band. So we basically just disbanded. And for me, it was a heartbreaker. I mean, I had the second national band. I think that's one of my great albums. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I say my great albums, I'm always including the musicians in this. You know, and everybody played wonderfully on it, and I loved it.
1: But you're, was, you're speaking of ten amount to treason on that right
3: yeah yeah mm-hmm. what did i say did i say something? No,
1: you, did I you said second national band i just was clarifying for those of you, oh, you for I'm those people saying. who don't know the difference between the first national band is just the first three albums and then the ten amount to treason was the second national band
3: yeah so <clears throat> from there i began just to explore more and more of the cosmic energy the spiritual energy the spiritual insights of the songs and of the lyrics and uh then from that came uh, photon wing and came uh, infinite rider and these kinds of uh, albums that were staring me into the waters of video. Mm-hmm. And so pretty soon national band was a memory. And uh, I just thought, well, this is never going to come back and see anything. So I might as well let it sail into the sunset where we mm-hmm. and then red died in 92. And then, uh, John Keeney died around ninety three or four, and John London, mm-hmm. and um, so it was just me and Johnny. And I figured this would never, you know, this would never happen until I got the call from the agent, <laughs> Andrew Sandoval, mm-hmm. said, "Let's go do national band stuff." But it had been it had occupied a period of my creative life from I'd say. Sixty-eight to 78, 79 Mm -hmm. and the beginning of MTV and the beginning of the music video and all that stuff I write about in the book. And it was a, it was a, it was a really fecund and productive decade with songs that uh, I think mark the higher points of my life as a, as a writer and Mm -hmm. as an artist. So to be able to get out, play them again, you know, in a club with some inspired players like I've got, who understand it, you know the people that I was playing with at the time. I mean, the five of us that were playing it, the first national band, mm-hmm. we didn't know what we were doing. We were, you know, eating uh, eating cannabis out of a jar of Jeff <laughs> <laughs> and just playing whatever came to mind. And that's the records that you hear. Mm-hmm. And I that's one of the reasons I think they're so good. They're so, they're good to me. I I, I love. What, what what's contained in those records.
1: Absolutely. Let me compare something with you real quick, because Al got to see you in Atlanta in 91, the prelude to the Tropical Campfires tours and then leading up to the Brit Festival show. When you talk about Let that group, know, you've got, got John Jorgensen, you you've got Joe Chimay, you've got, you you got John Hines, you've got Luis Conte, and you've got Red. Was that about as close as you could get to the First National Band sound when you were playing stuff like Tomorrow and Me, Two Different <laughs> <laughs> Roads? Because you were playing a lot of the First National Band stuff during that tour. Well, the the uh, the precise answer is no, because the the musicians
3: that you just mentioned, besides Red, were all first call session guys. Mm -hmm. And they were screwed pretty tight. They were screwed down pretty tight. You know, they were all buttoned up. They're miraculous players. And they're going to play what you ask them to play. And I would teach them the songs the same way I taught the national band, which is sitting there with my guitar singing it to them. And they would jump in and they would, they would play along. And that's one of the reasons I think Tropical Campfires is, is so fantastic. But Georgie is a, you know, he's a concert trained musician. Um, Chimay plays with Sotera out in front of concerts.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Hobbs was uh, the, you know, uh, instrumentalist of the year for like five or six years in, in Nashville and played with mm-hmm. Vince, Vince Gill and, mm-hmm. uh, so he was you know all very very tight louis conti and, and uh, it was it, you know is, is one of the great percussionists but louis plays with everybody he plays with everybody and he's got a, you know he's got hands like metronomes so uh, it was very very tight the uh, the tropical campfires and the live at the brit was very very tight it, it was you know arguably the best band i ever played with but in terms of just Swinging it out there, it never got really airborne like it would when we were all just, you know, on heroic doses of cannabis <laughs> and, and Bush, <laughs> Bush, Bush Budweiser, mm-hmm. that um, it, it got into some zone that, I, you know, I'll, I've never recreated. I don't do drugs anymore yeah. and don't do alcohol at all. And, and, well, I never really did, but I don't, you know, I don't smoke and I don't take psychedelics or any of those things. I'm just straight arrow, but Mm -hmm. um, I've been down that road. So I know what it feels like when you get into that space. And this space is sweet generous. It's not a place that I know of any other musicians that I've ever played with have ever hit. Yeah. As we wrap this up, do you think that these
1: are the only five dates that we're going to see from the, 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 redux?
3: Well, I think they may be, I mean, I've got to get a mandate from the public, which I've never had with the national bands. And I don't know that this is going to trigger that. I think it uh, back when it started, it was so oddball to people who were into pop music. I mean, this couldn't have been farther from uh, I Am a Believer or in some ways it shared some things with Daydream Believer, but with with the monkey stuff and the television music and so forth that surrounded uh, that phenomenon. It also didn't really, um, you know, The burritos weren't on this page. Uh, The birds weren't on this page. Nobody else was really on this page. This was, you know, people call it country rock, which is fair enough, but it's probably psychedelic country rock or psychedelic rock country or something (laughs) because you got to dial in the altered states of mind that it was played under like the uh, Grateful Dead. You know, that makes a big difference to what you hear if you're if you're when you're listening to the Grateful Dead or you know they're playing Sugar Magnolia that sounds different because they're all just blown away mm-hmm. and you know when I started listening to Red and watching him dissolve the boundaries that existed between finite elements <laughs> on his instrument that was just another ride mm-hmm. a completely different ride and Pete does that Pete Pete Finney can do that uh, he does it a lot of it by imitating Red but he also just has his own wings so. Uh, I, I think this is. I don't know that this will ever repeat. I don't know this 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 that this will ever pick up a mandate. That anybody will ever understand this until maybe long after I'm gone. But you know, hey, what do I know?
1: Mike, I accept that as a personal challenge. So <laughs> you you heard it, everybody. You heard it straight from here. You straight from the mouth. We need a mandate. <laughs> so, well, send
3: the mandate to my agents. I can't do anything with it. Uh, but see, I
1: have, I have the perfect conduit. That our, you know, Jody's, Jody is our new third partner on the show perfect, now.
3: So perfect, perfect.
1: But um, listen, this has been an absolute thrill. I, I've, you truly have no idea. Thank you doesn't seem to be enough. Not just for the group, but especially the solo work.
3: Well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Alan. It's great, and uh, and you guys are doing a good job. I know that all the monkeys fans appreciate it. I certainly appreciate it as uh, as uh, Mike, and I'll tell you, it's uh, been a great great deal of fun out there with uh, you know Nez and the First National Band.
1: Well, we hope to be able to talk to you later in the year because we know something else is happening, but we'll save that for another time. Um, Mike yeah. Nesmith, thank you so very much. Well. We hope you enjoyed that little revisit and we want to wish Nez, Christian Cersei, and the entire FNB Redux team a great tour. It's too bad we're not gonna be able to go to Kent to see him, but you know, I can only do one bucket list at a time. So
0: You gotta have multiple buckets, that's the thing.
1: Uh yeah, talk to my accountant about that. So
0: <laughs> So once again, we wanna thank you guys for listening. We know this was a, a weird episode, kind of a weird topic, but we try to keep it breezy and quick mm-hmm. and entertaining. And, and we
1: try to do things that you know other podcasts don't. I mean, we we just we're we're just wired that way, so we're we're weird.
0: And speaking of other podcasts, if you're not listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast, why not do so the minute you hear the last dulcet tone of this very episode
1: go through your speakers? That's right, because without the Podfather, we wouldn't be here. And That's he is, right. You know, once again, Ken Mills. He does an amazing job with Zilch, the Pop Podcast, KissCast. He's just a podcasting fool.
0: He is Mr. Podcast.
1: Yeah, so we also want to thank the Zilch team. We want to thank all the devoted fans out there. Uh, what's that girl's name in Iowa again?
0: Jamie Tappan?
1: Jamie she, she Tardis. Jamie Tegrin she used to be work in a, in a, a dandruff shampoo factory yeah. uh, dandruff uh, plugs into uh David Levitz
0: David Levitz, Levitz. yes
1: Levitz. great guy I wonder if he's related to Paul Levitz of DC Comics but that's a
0: let's also thank the trail house hopefully you won't hear too much uh, you'll hear
1: some music in the background atmospheric
0: and boy is it bad music atmospheric <laughs> <laughs> noise but we uh, I, we think this is a success
1: and this, is, this could be the start of the trend yes just depending on how often your wife works at home that's true
0: and just thanks to everybody we appreciate it we're now up to like well over 600 members yeah we're 619 members plus. Who counts
1: right plus the fact that we don't know how we don't know where yes but the last two episodes combined have over 4100 listens it's just exploded Worldwide. it's amazing and we, we love you guys for it so. right uh, so
0: um, yeah. hopefully those bribes I've been sending in the mail have been getting uh, that's right. the response we asked for.
1: And as always, let us remind you that the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast is a podcast for Monkeys fans, by Monkeys fans, and is not uh, related to in any way, shape, or form Rhino Records, Michael Nesmith, Mickey Dowens, Peter Tork, the estate of the late David Jones, uh, Andrew Sandoval, anybody else that has anything to do with the Monkeys, Melody, hello Melody, that's, that's, that's Nez's new assistant by the way, real cool girl. Not the twenty-seven melodies we know from Monkees fandom. But That's somebody true. else. Somebody else.
0: And this is all done for fans by fans as a labor of love. No copyrights are implied. Mm-hmm. Everything is copyrighted their respective owners.
1: That's right. We don't own a damn thing other than the name. So until we meet again, when next we meet, we will be celebrating our two, two, two-year anniversary. Would you believe it? Right. And they said it couldn't be done, so we didn't do it. Can you- uh, uh, uh,
0: can you get a picture of us as we record this? Uh, yeah, we and we're,
1: we're we're posing we're posing for new uh nude new <laughs> post office photos for the wanted signs as we speak. So smile. Thank, thank you up. so much. Oh she's so this good. This waitress is really She's uh, earning her she's earning her gratuity nice. today. Oh thank you. Thank, thank you absolutely. very much. You talk a time. You need to take mom. That's uh, all right. Yeah. Wait, well, talks and talks. Uh, I know, I, I don't know the meaning of the word. All right, I'm shutting up I'm, I'm shutting kidding. up. Here, I'm kidding, so. I'm joking.
0: Why would you be on here if you didn't talk? That's right. So like that you time were- you remember I had um, I had Shields and Yarnell on it didn't work out
1: and yeah uh, it, it, oh, it, the, the mine blew up in your face you stepped on a landmine
0: that's what makes <laughs> that's what makes our podcast so memorable we have Shields and Yarnell references that's right that's why people it. Well,
1: yeah, of course and well you know we could go uh, if you want to go really pop close mm-hmm. we could have a Hudson Brothers reference in there hey hey Margolis. Mm-hmm. For those of you that remember the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Hour, you need serious psychiatric help. And those of us that (laughs)
0: loved it, go listen to Gilbert Godfrey's podcast. Gilbert Godfrey's amazing, colossal podcast. He's had Mark Hudson on there. Mm -hmm. Amazing stories from people. You think we're into, oh, the guy that did lighting Mm -hmm. for that Bella Lugosi uh, Dracula movie. These guys know... All about the guy that did lighting for the Bella Lugosi Dracula they more know,
1: They've forgotten more stuff right. than we'll ever know.
0: You think exactly. we're into obscure voice actors? These guys were neighbors with obscure voice actors. So I, ah, recommend, I, I recommend that podcast. It was kind of an inspiration for this one.
1: Yep. So, Ken
0: Mills, of course. I would like to give a shout out to the other monkeys podcast called We Want the Monkeys. Mm-hmm. But I've got to admit, I haven't heard any of it, which is my failing. Well, they don't do them very often. That's true too, but they're out there.
1: They're out there, absolutely. There, there are four or five good monkeys podcasts out there, so very good. So,
0: thank so you again un- for your support.
1: So, until we meet again, I am Alan. I will hunker down like a jackass in a hailstorm. Dot 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 Williams.
0: And this is Al. Quote: I'm just your regular, average American political savior. Unquote. Bigly,
1: <laughs> and always remember to save, save the, the Texas, Texas prairie, prairie chicken. chicken.
0: That's a very uh, politically heated statement, Alan.
1: That's a, that's a groovy button, what does it say?
0: What button? <laughs> the tragedy of your times, my young friends, is that
5: you may get exactly what you want.